Hello, I'm Helen Perry, your host. Thank you for coming to the Just Bloody Post-It podcast, a show for creatives who are marketing their work online. Marketing is about sparking interest in what you do, about catching attention, storytelling and nurturing relationships with other humans in the hope that one day they'll become your customers. If you can write, you can create the connections you need. I have found this to be true, but I have also found it to be true that writing's difficult, especially when it comes to sitting your backside in a chair and getting it done. We're kind of like Peloton for writers. Like you come, you get your workout in, you do the work. So we're focused more about doing the work than we are necessarily on we do interviews about the craft and 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 people do occasionally share each other's work, but really this is like It's like the Peloton, it's the CrossFit, it's the yoga gym for writers. Our guest this week helps people to do writing. Matt Trinetti is a writer himself, a presenter and traveller and the co-founder of London Writers Salon, a global community of writers that meet online to work together. London Writers Salon took off during the pandemic when Matt and his partner Perul began offering Zoom co-working sessions four times a week, back when working together on Zoom was 100% not a thing. It's grown to become a fully-fledged membership community offering detailed packages of support to writers, bloggers, poets, anyone who needs it. In this episode, we discuss how the business has flourished, about his big ambitions for it, about what makes a community and who can call themselves a writer. But first, I asked Matt what a writer's salon is. My understanding of a writer writer's salon is a place where writers can come and, and talk about the craft, talk about the work. Um, a, a forum to, to discuss. Um, and I do have to admit, so I have a co-founder on the London Writer Salon, and our name is totally her idea. So I have to give total credit to Parl for the name London Writer Salon. Okay, so how did you cook this up? Where did it all begin? We're, we're best known for our online writing sessions, which you mentioned, Writer's Hour, but actually the London Writer Salon began about a year before that, in 2019. And how it looked was we, it was an in-person meetup. We started in January, 2019. And basically, Parl and I were two friends who loved writing and kept having conversations with people uh, who either wanted to be writers or wanted to know more about the writing industry. Uh, And Parl, my my co-founder and friend, she came from the publishing industry as an editor and I came from, I describe as like the self, the, the scrappy writer, the blogger, the self-publisher. And so both of us came from these two different perspectives, but we were both meeting people who wanted to talk about writing, wanted to write more. And we thought, let's, let's just, let's create an event. Let's, let's host a room of writers. We'll interview a writer about the craft of writing and the art of building a writing career. We'll invite all of these people that we've been meeting who want to talk about writing and we'll try to create a really welcoming event, a space where we can ask these questions, take, take writing down from the pedestal that sometimes publishers or, or literary folk put it on and just say, no, let's talk about it. Let's, let's kind of, uh, let's go under the hood a bit and um, behind the veils. 
And, and that's what we did. So that was 2019. January 2019, we did an in-person event at the Library Club in central London. Uh, we sold tickets to it, and I think about 30 people showed up, and that was the beginning. And then the pandemic happened, am I right? Yeah, then the, yeah, little funny little thing happened. <clears throat> so, and, and this was just a side project for Parl and I. So we were, both had like full-time jobs, and this was just something we would do once a month. And then when the pandemic hit in March 2020, it was actually Sunday night, right before the UK was about to go into lockdown. And Parl and I are on the phone, and we just, as we often did, we were just brainstorming. And we just thought, you know, this is, this is a really uncertain time for a lot of people. Um, what could we do for the writing community? And so we just came up with, which sounded like a, many of our other ideas, which are often just kind of throwaway ideas, but, but curious enough to us. And we said, well, let's, why don't we invite anyone who's been to a past event with us tomorrow morning? So this was like less than 12 hours. And, and we'll invite them to a live writing session at 8 a.m., Silent writing, come join, come write with us. We know things are uncertain, but we'll gather, we'll journal together, we'll write together, we'll just, we'll just be together. And so we sent that email out to anyone who, of our past attendees, which wasn't, maybe it was two, 300 people at the time. Um, and like nine people showed up to that first morning, Monday morning, 8 a.m. And that began London Writer Salon 2.0, which was moving from in-person London to online and global. It kind of gives me a sort of slight sense of chill when I look back, it chills when I look back at that time because what you describe now, jumping on a Zoom call, sitting together, maybe doing some work, has become a more commonplace and ordinary practice or idea at the time I mean, yeah. people had barely heard of Zoom or Teams or let alone the idea of, right, I'm going to get up at eight o'clock in the morning and go and meet a bunch of people on the internet and we're going to sit and work together. I mean, it just wasn't something people did then. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't. And I mean, I think I had used Zoom like a few times before that, but yeah, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. And so those, yeah, nine, those nine people kind of were like, okay, it was a real leap of let's see what all this is about. Yeah, it was a little weird. And it's, to be honest, it's still a little weird. I mean, we've been doing it now for three years and you know, thousands of people have attended it. And it's like, when I really look at what it is, I'm like, this is so strange that it works. Um, but it does. And I guess like the lessons, I mean, one of the lessons for me as someone who, I mean, I'm sure like you, like there's so many things you try, you know, like business ideas or concepts or just experiments within your own business. There's so many things you try and, and oftentimes you want to get something like really perfect. And, and, and this is this thing that holds you back from, from starting something. And how the, the, the deadline of the, the, the deadline of we need to do something tomorrow morning because the pandemic's happening and just like no time to think about perfection and no time to concoct like, okay, what would be the perfect app or program or how would this thing look like no we here are the tools we have let's let's open a zoom account and let's invite people um and here we are like three years later and it still works so it's a nice reminder that if you're creating something of value uh, like people people will be forgiving of like the imperfections of it because what they get out of it is is so powerful and in our case it's a sense of community and it's productivity 
to carve out the time to do the work that you say you want to do, but oftentimes you have a hard time doing. So uh, those two things combine, yeah. And in its origin, it came really from a place of ser being of service. What can we do in this moment to help our people? Which exactly. I, which is also worth noting when you start something. Um, so you had nine people and you had, what, a mailing list of a couple of hundred people. Yeah. How did it grow from that point? Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the fortunate thing about it is it had people were telling people. So that, that back then and still today, just word of mouth is, is how it's grown. Um, so we're very fortunate. And that was something that's really hard to manufacture, like whether people want to share it. But it's a true, like you said, it, it was an active service. And we, we had no expectations of it. And, and even for ourselves, we, what Parl and I've learned is that we need to put a deadline on our experiments. And so we said, like if, if we were back then to say, okay, we're gonna do this like for three years or indefinitely, we would say, no way, let's not even start it. But we gave ourselves, let's try this for two weeks. Like what's, what's a, a, a chunk of time that we feel like we could commit to, but also like is enough time to like give this thing a shot to see what it might be. And so for us, it was two weeks. Um, and so, Luckily, like nine went to 20, went to 30. So every day it started to grow. But actually it was the, what, when we knew something that we really had something, and I think this was either day one or day two, where someone said in the Zoom, so it's the 50 minutes of silent writing, and then we close out at the end, we ask people to share in the chat, like, how'd you do, what did you get done? And someone said, oh, my God, I got more writing done in these 50 minutes than I have in the last six months. Uh, do, do, you, do you guys have a Patreon or something? I'd love to, like, donate. And that was like my spidey sense went off and said, okay, well, we, we don't today, but we will tomorrow. And so that then became the gauge at which we used to, to say, should we continue this thing? Are we pr providing value? And so we used Patreon at the time, to, at, when we got to the end of that two-week experiment, to say, okay, if we get, and I can't remember the exact number, if we get 10 supporters, we'll do this for another two weeks. And we kind of just kept doing it in bite-sized chunks that we felt like we can commit to. And eventually it was, okay, if we get 30 of you like voting, saying, I want to continue this, we'll do it for another month. And then another two months and three months. And then eventually we you know, decided, okay, we're going to continue it through the year of 2020. And then at the end of 2020, it just became like, we're, we're not going to shut this down because we think we'd have a lot of angry people and, and upset writers. So, so I guess to your question, how did it grow? It was, it was yeah, people sharing it. We, we did then reach out to our email list. I'm pretty sure a couple more times just to say, hey, we had like nine people joining. Come on in tomorrow. So like to show like, okay, this is something that is happening and a little social proof, I guess. I'm, I'm sure we did something like that. Um, and yeah, it was just, I guess it was just creating value and we were finding it useful. Um, and we would tell people like, hey, if you want to write with us, like, like it was like genuinely telling a friend because we were getting value out of it and that was like the biggest, and people were doing that same thing. So people felt like, okay, I'm getting value out of this. I have to tell my friend who's stuck at home and, uh, you know, lives alone and is lonely and working alone. Like I have to tell them, like, come ride with me. So 
long story short, and basically is, people told people. It is a weird and slightly uh, something I can't explain either, really. We'll try. We'll try. Some of my friends told me about the, the salon. Mm. Um, my friend Antonia, hello Antonia, she started going yeah. re- really, really early on. And I was like, okay, that's really weird. And then I was running a course for um, emailers, people writing email. And I was like, do you know what? I'm going to copy these guys and I'm just going to chuck in once a week during the course, we'll have a writer's hour. So an email writer's hour. And I ran it on a Friday morning for the three weeks that the course ran. And people absolutely loved it and a group of the guys on the course they carried on meeting after it had finished and doing it together there is something that just makes you do the writing when you're sitting on a zoom call with other people you just you just do write where you don't look at your phone you don't check your emails you get it done I don't know why it works do what's your theory I, I think it's it's all of those things. There's some sort of, um, you've made a commitment to yourself and then to other people by just entering the room. So it's kind of like weird if then you don't do the thing that you said you were going to do in the room. Or even if you don't do the thing you said you were going to do, you at least do something in that room. So there's some sort of like accountability um, multiplied where you have other people there and then you see if your camera's on, you see the other people working. And so even if you feel like, oh, I don't really feel like doing this today, and then you see, okay, a bunch of people are heads down, eventually if you sit there long enough, you'll, you'll, you'll do something. Something will happen. Um, and so that's it. It's really just creating the space. And, and you know, I was thinking about this. So we like to compare ourselves more to fitness than we do to other writing or literary or artsy things. Because that in, is in so, fi- in, so interesting. Go on. Why? Yeah. Well, because it's it's like in the early days, and this was you know back when like Peloton was super super hot and exciting. We we would describe ourselves. Well, we're kind of like Peloton for writers. Like you come, you what's what you, you get your workout in, you do the work. So we're focused more about doing the work than we are necessarily on. We do interviews about the craft, and 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 people do occasionally share each other's work. But really, this is like it's like the Peloton, it's the CrossFit, it's the it's the yoga gym for writers. And so, you know, I was sitting in a, I've been doing yoga lately and I was sitting in a yoga class and I was thinking, you know, this is exactly writer's hour where I booked a time to go to yoga and I actually showed up at the place and I, sure, I could do this online. I could do yoga online, but I just know I'm, I'm set, I'm much less likely to actually do it when I'm left to my own devices and, and when I'm sitting in my own house. But actually, I mean, what I was thinking, well, that's what writer's hour is. People are sitting in their own house, but they're still doing it. And I, I started to go down this rabbit hole of thinking, you know, what if we had physical locations that you actually had to go and show up and then do the writing? How much more powerful might that be? But anyway, we're kind of like the gym, you know. Yeah. We're, it's, yeah. And a subscription business is, is a huge huge thing now um that's uh, and peloton is a subscription business the the bike itself is kind of by the by you're buying into the community the instructors you love that you say the right. people that people that you're turning up with at the same time or you know in the same t- same time zone or wherever you are um that's how you get it done and you're in competition with yourself and in competition with other people as well so you started to take payment quite early 
in form of sort of gifting or thank you payments mm-hmm. when did you how quickly were you like okay let's start to build this into something more like a proper membership where people are paying a monthly fee yeah it, it was actually pretty early on if i'm honest like it was probably within those first couple of weeks where when we created the patreon i had never done anything like that so i looked at other people's and and they often had tears and so we just we concocted okay what would tears for us be and so we came up with bronze, silver, gold. And bronze was kind of like a monthly tip to keep us going. Do you like writer's hour? And then silver. So the other thing is that we actually had, in March 2020, we had our next in-person events lined up, and which were, at that point, monthly. And so we had, these. it was Alistair Humphreys, and, who's an adventurer, and Holly Bourne, who's a YA fiction author. And we had those two lined up. And we just reached out to them and just said, hey, like, should we pull this online? So then that quickly became part of our silver tier, which was come to, the, we, we didn't know they'd be weekly at the time, but we said monthly interviews with writers. So pretty quickly, we, we actually had the, 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 the structure, the skeleton of this membership model with the things that we were doing. And then the other thing that we knew just intuitively, but also seeing in the room, in the chat, is with our gold tier, we thought, well, actually what we know people would find valuable is coaching and accountability, like even more accountability than just writing together, but actually a space where on Mondays and Fridays, you can come and share what's your goal this week and where are you feeling stuck? And then with one of us or both of us in the early days, we would just like, we'd basically help coach writers. And so if that was something that you needed or wanted, you joined the gold tier. And so it was actually pretty early on that we came up with those three different offerings. And then we just, we just kind of organically grew each of those week by week, month by month, based on what we were hearing. So it started like as these very basic offerings. And then we've just like, like interviews now instead of monthly, it's weekly. Plus we have workshops and socials and Q and A. So it's like, there's so much going on. And then gold, we, we layered on top of that. So we started bare bones and just kind of built built upon it. And I had a look at your website, you know, just before I came on to chat with you, and you are offering a lot in, in all of the different yeah. tiers. And as a course creator, I don't run a membership. I my first thought was, wow, that's a lot of work. I, I mean, is it? Are you you're spending a great deal of time? Do you have a bigger team now? How's it running? Yeah, it it is a lot of work, especially running a community. is is a lot of different kind of work. Um, just you know, dealing with human beings with, with feelings and thoughts and emotions. Um, it, is, it is a lot of work, but because we've been slowly building it at a point where, and, and we're very careful not to, to make sure our costs aren't, aren't exploding. So as if, if membership's growing and the pain for us is becoming too great, where we're feeling stressed, we're feeling burnt out, we don't have time to think strategically, and we have enough revenue to justify it, then that's meant we've been able to bring some people on part-time. And so it's been very, very slowly. I mean, we're, we're talking three years. We've been slowly every week just trying to make this community a little bit better and make our lives as the founders of it a little bit less stressful. I don't know if that's just staying at the strategic level. Um, so yeah, as things have grown, we've hired people part-time. I'm really interested to know how 
you carve out strategy time because I think that can be where a lot of very busy yeah. founders or, or small businesses really struggle. They're so deep in the in the oh my god, I've got so much to do today that we don't often enough step back and actually think what do I need to do? What's working? What's not working? What's important? How how do you guys make that work? Yeah, we have we have two. So basically, Parl and I are constantly on the phone and on WhatsApp. So that like we're talking every day, multiple times a day. Something on sometimes on the phone for hours, um, even just working together. But we also have uh, Monday check-ins and Friday check-ins where they don't always happen, but they're in the calendar. And so it's just for us to go on Monday. Okay, what's the week ahead looking like? What are our goals? What do we want to do? What personally, what do we have going on? And so that's a chance for us to connect. Um, and then Fridays, we try to do the same thing. We actually, we slotted, we don't always stick to it, but on Friday mornings, we have this little calendar that says Founder Fridays. And the idea for that hour is that we're, we're, we're talking a little more st strategically. New things we're launching, um, yeah, big questions we have, ideas. So we, we have that in the calendar. So even if we don't do it, it's kind of there to think, okay, should I be thinking more strategically today or this week? Um, the other thing, and this actually has been a real game changer for us, is we, we hired a, a coach that every month um, we have a 90-minute session. Um, and his name's James Ridledge, who's the founder of Sanctus, um, and actually is a writer with us. And he's a fan, and we interviewed him. So, so he's been awesome. So every month we have a 90-minute call with him, and that is a chance for us to talk about our founder lives, our Parlo and my, our relationship, um, and, and also to reflect and to celebrate and to set intentions for the month ahead. And so James is that person that asks us the questions um, and that helps us zoom out a little bit. So that, that's been a, a real game changer for us. All sounds super healthy. You're lucky to have each other, I think, as I reflect totally. on. Yeah, I think, I think you're really like, I think lots of people listening will be thinking, wow, I wish I had a partner like that to, to work with. Um, and it, it strikes me that you are intentional and entrepreneurial. Were you before this or is this a new chapter of your life? I, so I, first to comment on the partnership thing, T totally. If I if I didn't have Parl and she didn't have me, this would not exist for sure. So I I have so much. Um, I don't know if it's admiration or like sympathy for people who don't have that partner, because at the very least, it's like when you're down, they'll pick you up. When you're down, they're down, you pick them up. Someone's holding the ship. When you need to take time off, they'll say, "Okay, great, I got you." Um, so emotionally, you know, work wise, we're able to support each other. So. I like, I think that is the, the, the single biggest thing someone can do is to build something with someone you trust, similar values, and ideally it's a friend, doesn't have to be, but like someone you enjoy working with. And anyway, so that's, I totally just want to echo that. Um, am I entrepreneurial? Is this my first? So I, I've actually, I, I've been entrepreneurial from a very young age. Um, yeah, since I was... Probably, I think my first venture was, I think I was seven or eight or nine. I was, a, <laughs> there was a creek beside our house full of sandstone. And I, I discovered with my neighbor friends that if you grind it down, it becomes sand. 
And so we started grinding down sandstone and putting it into bags and, and tried to sell bags of sand. Uh, so that was, that was, I think, my first endeavor. <laughs> that's, some, that's some proper work. That's, that's graft. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was fun though. We were doing it. It was like the neighbor kids and we were, we were doing it. We had a whole assembly line. Um, I, I cut, uh, so I'm American and, and everyone has nice, nice big lawns in America and, or in, at least in the suburbs where I grew up. And so I, cutting grass was my, one of my first jobs. I started a business in high school, uh, like a landscaping business with friends in high school. Uh, so it's kind of always, always been there. My dad's a, a business owner, founder, entrepreneur. So I think through osmosis, I, I just grew around, grew up around it too. Um, and then for about what actually brought me to London was I started working with this startup called Escape the City. And, um, which is a startup. I admired the founders and helped them launch a school for career changers and entrepreneurs in London. And so, and actually a lot of this experience then fed into the community building at London Writers Salon, the programming, the event series. Um, so all these things kind of led to this. So I, I, yeah, I've, I've been, it's definitely been a bone in my body, uh, entrepreneurial bone, um, since I was a kid. Yeah, it all fits together. I can see. Um, how has the work of the London Writers Salon changed as we are now no longer in lockdown. We have hopefully put the pandemic behind us. Has that yeah. changed what you do? Has that changed uptake? Um, have people dropped away from it? How's it going? Yeah, surprisingly, I mean, this was something we worried about as the pandemic was, you know, kind of people were getting out and about more. Um, but actually, it hasn't really changed much and it's continued to grow. And yeah, which is which is a wonderful surprise. And so we've stayed. Our our strategy is to continue to to build an online home, virtual home, for writers around the world. And I think what we discovered is that obviously the the pandemic mindset shift helped a mindset shift for a lot of people of what you can do online and 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 what's possible and what's acceptable and what's desirable to do online. So luckily, the the shift has happened. Um, but also, even in the best times, the writing profession, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur or a freelancer, um, creating anything, it, it can be a lonely journey. So it, we're creating that space for people to create together. So I think that that will never get old. Um, yeah, you answer, yeah so, you're, answer, you're answering a need that was there regardless of the, the pandemic, it, you know, yeah. the, the, to be able to help with the solitude of, of writing and, and the discipline of, of daily practice, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and hopefully we'll, we've done some in-person meetups, but most of them have been spurred on by the community. So people will in our, our member forum, They'll say, hey, I'm in Boston. Anyone want to meet up? And then you'll see a few people meet up in person. So what we're trying to do, and we might do a, we're hoping to do um, an in-person London event when I'm back in London next month. So that could be really fun. We've done some of those. Um, but yeah, I think our strategy is just to stay online and enable people to connect with each other in person. Um, yeah, if that well, feels and, right. you know, where, and that, you know, that's just accessible wherever you are, as long as you've got Wi-Fi, which is... Which is amazing. Um, I want to talk actually about writing now for yeah. a second. So I was reading one of your blog posts 
um, yesterday, and it said that you are masquerading as a writer. Do you still? <laughs> Aren't we be, all? I think. It, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, is there any other way to be? Um, uh, how much of a writer do you consider yourself to be? Uh, it's so funny, and this is a question that that writers have, and even I've interviewed, we've interviewed, like published writers and and writers of all stripes still struggle with this identity. Um, but it's, it's funny because like, I, I mean, I've always struggled with that because I'm, I, I was an engineer. I studied engineering at university. I had an, an, a job as an IT consultant with IBM. Um, I, the, probably the most like interesting thing I wrote in the first 25 years of my life was an email. So yeah, writing wasn't something that I, I lived with and, and certainly an identity I never, never grew up with. Um, but, but as I started a blog and that's, that's how my writing journey started is I started just writing about my travels just for, for fun. And eventually I started, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm writing. So I guess, I guess I, I'm a writer, but it, it was hard. Um, but <laughs> the funny thing is, and I have like total imposter syndrome now is I'm running this writing community and I'm not writing very much, um, again, but, but you know what? It's, um, I've come to think of it as I, I do morning pages. I don't know if you're um, uh, familiar with Julia Cameron's morning I, pages. Yeah, I'm familiar with the concept, but for anybody who's not. Yeah. So basically, three pages freehand every morning. I don't do it every morning, but I try to. And really, it's just stream of consciousness, just a brain dump, whatever's on your mind. It's kind of like therapy for the page. Um, and I, I try to do that. And I, I think if, if you're writing, even if it's just for you, you're a writer. So that's, that's my, that's where I've come, come onto it. And I've also come to accept that in addition to loving writing and, and it feeding something in me first and foremost, um, my creative expression tends to come to fruition in community building and entrepreneurial pursuits. And so I've kind of just become more at peace with that, that this is my creative act right now is trying to do create London Writer Salon with as much energy and the best of my ability. Um, but that being said, I am starting to write more, wanting to write more as a, as a leader of this organization and step into more of a public leadership role, which includes writing publicly about our journey. And so that's where my writing is right now. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a complicated identity. Yeah, it really is. And so many of us now um, have to have to write, even if that's not what we set out to do. I'm sure you work with lots of people like that. What's your theory on community building? What are your what are your values? What's your ethos around building an effective community online or offline mm. for business purposes, I guess? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it has to come from a place of service. You are simply there to to help make, to help manifest what wants to, to be created. And constant listening, constantly, and this is what Writer's Hour, how Writer's Hour has been so important and integral and helpful, is that every day I see what writers are thinking. And so if enough of things, if people say enough of the same things, there's a signal there. Okay, what, how can we create that space? So it has to come from an act of service, first and foremost, which means 
you know, we all have egos, but like your, it, the community, this doesn't work for everyone because I do see like figures who run community, but I'm not sure how much of a community those things actually are. Because I think you have to be of service, like you have to be the leader of it and, and people have to feel like they can trust you and believe in what you're doing and feel like you have similar values. But it's not about you. So this community isn't about us, Parl and I. We are simply the shepherds of, of it and the caretakers of it. And so we try to toe that line where we have to be present for, for trust reasons and for leadership reasons, but this isn't about our big idea of what yeah, it yeah. wants to be. We might know, have ideas. Yeah. But, but they might be wrong as well. And um, we, make, we make assumptions dangerously about what people want. And I think um, what you're describing is often where I will see someone go wrong. And this could be like a really big name person or a small individual. It's, I've got this great idea that I would like to deliver to you. And would you please like it rather than listening to what people are saying, noticing what words they're using, what they are asking for and not going past that to what you think they should want because that does not work. Yeah. And and you could because it it is a tight, a tough balance because we do have ideas based on listening often, but sometimes they're based on I think this could work, but to always approach it with an experimental mindset to say, I think this could work, but it might not work. And to take those same principles that we launched Writer's Hour with, how long are we committing to this? How will we know if it's working? What's the go, no go? Um, And then put it out there and try. And luckily with Parl and I, we are aligned values wise, but we oftentimes have different ideas. And so we just say, okay, well, I think it's going to be this way. You think it's going to be that way. Let's find out. And so we, we launch it and then we see what happens and then we get to find out. And oftentimes it's like what neither of us predicted, but there's something there. So I think yeah. that's so important. Yeah, you've also written something that resonated with me about um, something along the lines of, you know, n- not being afraid to learn in public. Like, you know, the only way you're probably going to find out the answer to the question of is this going to work is to try it. And the answer might be it doesn't. But and you're going to have to do that in front of people, which can be very hard. Do you find that hard or actually are you quite relaxed about failing publicly? Yeah, I think I think I'm a lot more relaxed probably than most people might be. It's still scary. You know, every time you like press that email, you're kind of like sweaty finger like oh no is this what are people going to think um and is it going to work but i think yeah it's i i think i've i've grown it's a muscle that i've i've exercised and i'm a lot more comfortable with it than than i used to be yeah agreed same and you can develop a, a thicker skin to it for sure um i want to ask you two questions about the future yeah. to end with first of all Artificial intelligence and writing. Hmm. Uh, will there be no need for a writer's salon in future because everybody is going to be using chat GPT or something like it to create their content, to write their novels? Do you worry about that? I, 
I don't, I don't actually. I don't know. Have you played with any of that stuff, either ChatGPT or like I've, I've had a very, AI? very, very little dabble into it. Um, you know, I like writing, so it's not something that uh, is, is hugely meaningful to me at the moment. But I did talk to another entrepreneur recently who is not a natural writer or marketer, and she's using it a lot for blog content and things like that. But she personalizes it, and I can see for some people it would be very attractive. Yeah. So that's my hunch is that actually there's the external output, which is, you know, the blog posts, the how-to guide, the sales email that either, even uh, those of us who write don't necessarily want to do. It's kind of like the means to the end. Like we're trying to communicate something so that we can, you know, earn enough money to like do the work we really want to do, which might be writing novels, which might be creating something else. And then you have people like your friend who. They're really out of their depth, and this is just helping them. It's augmenting their ability and their time. So my hunch is that there's the external output, but then there's the internal drive of why we create in the first place. And I, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, just seeing people in the writer's hour room, they're not writing because they're trying to like pass a test or you know do something that they have to do. It's like they're here because there's something inside of them that wants to create. And... I think the I my experience with AI playing with Midjourney, playing with ChatGPT a little bit was like I, the first time I played with with Midjourney, I was I was up all night creating images. It had like sparked something in me creatively that had never been expressed before. Even if I wasn't painting the images, I was imagining, I was thinking, it was giving me new ideas. So my optimistic take is that it will actually empower more people to create. But I think the human drive to cr be creative and to create things, this will not replace and augment. And if anything, it will just, it will just hopefully make it, make it better and easier. All right, let's stick, let's stay optimistic and, and go with yeah. that take. I, I'm happy to. And secondly, what's the future for the business for London, London Rice's Salon? What, what are your hopes? Do you think yeah. far ahead now? I know the, I know it was all very, very scrappy at the beginning, but do you think far further ahead now? Yeah, we, we do. It's funny. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's easy. The timeframes that, that we find easiest are like so far into the future and then like three months ahead. So those are the timeframes that we think about. Okay, what, are, what do we want to do in the next three months? What are the new things we want to launch? What are the things we want to improve upon? What are the interviews we want to line up? And then we think about, okay, in the future, what might this look like? Might it be there's a, a writer salon as, um, as, as frequent or as prevalent as like coffee shops on the corner? Every city has a space where you can come and, and do your creative work. What if we bought a castle? What if we bought an island? What, what if we had a whole institution, you know, that, that helps people learn and, and basically recreate the, an alternative MFA? Um, so those are like the things we're thinking about. We have so many big ideas. Um, so we are thinking about those things, but we're also trying to stay really current. Okay, what are we hearing right now? What needs to be improved right now? And making sure we're, we're still in the room with writers, serving them in the way that they want to be served or aren't being served. Please, please, please buy a castle. Yeah, that right? Would be a, that would be a great way to, you know, kind of 
that that would be a movie from uh, from the pandemic to to a castle. Anyway, um, Matt, yeah. it's been so fascinating to um, uh, listen to you speak about what you guys are doing. Um, I Thanks, will Helen. put I'll put links to you know how you can find the salon in um, the show notes, and uh, everybody can keep on writing and thinking about subscription models and whatnot. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And just, yeah, anyone listening, I'm always happy to share more about about this stuff. My journey, our journey, um, whether it's writing, whether it's subscription, membership. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always happy to help. I love what Matt and Perrault are doing with London Writers Salon. And that even though it was born in the pandemic, its success will long outlive it because what they offer answers very real problems that writers and creatives face. The loneliness of this kind of work and the accountability you need to really move forward. It's so true that productivity can be contagious when you decide to sit together. I always offer this kind of hour now, co-working time in my courses because it really, really works. Right, if you are a fan of Just Bloody Post It and would like to support the show, then go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review, please. I've got ambitions to get a hundred of them and we are nearly there. It's so important because it helps other people to find the show. Thank you always for listening. We'll be back next week with more. Bye.